You're listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Welcome to the Deliberative, your weekly podcast all about Exalted. I'm your host, Corey, and joining me today, as always, are Charles, Hey-oh. and Jim. How's it going? Hey, man. It's going good. It's uh, it's a bright and squirrely someday morning here. <laughs> <laughs> Smooth. Smooth. <laughs> <laughs> As oh, we are yeah. recording this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we got some interesting stuff to talk about this week. So before we really get into anything else, why don't we get started with the news? Well, news this week. Very exciting, guys. A lot of stuff to talk about. So much. We have a brand new dev post from Onyx Path telling us about so much goodness coming down the pipe honestly it was like we were drinking from the fire hose honestly a lot of good stuff coming i love this level of exposure uh honesty openness whatever you want to call it from onyx path telling us all of this this new stuff giving us stuff to look forward to i think we've just needed this kind of a thing for so long i mean since third edition really started we needed somebody to to like kind of pat us on the back and go hey guys we got a lot of books coming and so we finally got that so um yeah a lot, lot of good stuff i mean let, i guess we just we just go through it uh and and we can talk about some of this kind of stuff first i mean you know i guess probably everybody's most exciting thing the exigence book <laughs> this is this is a big deal yeah so yeah. um the title was revealed exigence out of the ashes um i'm already thinking you know what's that deluxe edition book gonna look like can't wait for that whole kickstarter to come around and i mean we have we haven't My even bank gotten to the can. looters kickstarter yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> gotta give it gotta give it like a little bit to, to charge back up right yeah. after the dragon blooded one but but uh yeah still i'm just oh i can't wait so uh you know, I thought maybe you know it'd be cool, cool to talk about since we got this new book on the horizon. Uh, you know, with Exigence being essentially kind of like uh, custom-made exalts, and they they even hinted in the post at not just not just having custom-made exalts based on like certain gods and and spirits, you know, kind of putting their essence into a person, but also even just creating your own brand new you know category of exalts that this book would have. I guess so many. Um, so so much instruction on custom creation that they'll just go the whole way and help let you create your own custom exalted types, you know, Jeez. which I think makes sense because you know you're already having so many uh, you know guidelines and whatnot there for custom creation. So just go the whole way and make this be the tool shop book, you know, for like the whole you know the whole game or whatever. But um, but what kind of exigence are you guys looking forward to creating? I mean, if you had if you had the book right now, we were gonna play an exigence game right now. Uh, what 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 would be like number one on your short list? I think for me, since I've kind of focused the energy of my chronicle in the east, I tend to think more in that area. So I really like the idea of right. like some kind of forest god creating uh, an exalt, one that has to deal with like 
trees or nature or something. You know, almost almost like a druid, right, right. so to speak. We got. I mean, we've got, and and I think there's probably enough, you know, wood aspect of charms from the Dragon Blood book to give some pretty good uh, guidance there too. Yeah, in and terms that, of, you know what powers. Were. I, I was as I was thinking about, you know, you asked us this question the other day, and I was thinking about it, and the like tree exalt was kind of the first one that came to mind, and I kind of worried that. I don't know. I feel like it's really easy to come up with these like elemental exalts, but then I was like, well, that's just a dragon blood character. But I guess yeah, it's more it like does give you ramped the... up to the extreme. Yeah, or well, it can be. I mean, the the thing about exigence is that they don't have to be like uh, of an equal power level with the celestial exalted. They could be more of an equal power level with the terrestrial. So it's not like it even has the ramp up, but it does give you the ability to do some um, very unique things and uh, i know some of the examples that they've given in the core book and in other places or whatever uh, of exigence you know just kind of give them a smattering of interesting abilities there's one I, I i'm trying to remember where it's at i think it's probably in the antagonist chapter or whatever about a about an exigent that uh, essentially is like you know blessed by the god of cities and uh, has all these interesting powers of persuasion and everything else while in a city but it's like it, it's not like there's a charm for every ability, you know, like like you have a full set of charms for, well, what does melee charms look like in a city or whatever? It's just, you know, it's like you have these certain powers re- revolving around this city that you live in, and then you just rely on, like, kind of normal mortal um, abilities and whatnot for, like, kind of the rest of your character, you know? And so I think, you know, thinking in that direction is cool. So it's not like you're going to get 700 charms, available for your custom made exalt uh you're really looking at like a specific charm set that has to do with that god's domain or whatever but yeah um jim what do have you thought about it what, what kind of exigent you would would you like to create well i was thinking pretty much an exalted there is a god for everything so yeah everything the, every um, rock and tree and creature <laughs> well, <laughs> you <laughs> you can um you can draw from any source and and back that up and, and come up with a cool backstory. But I was thinking just like, I mean, you know, I kind of wanted to go just a little weird. Like, what would the god of, of like, uh, pottery or something look like? And you have, like, this guy <laughs> that could, like... <laughs> mold and shape his body like he turns like his hand into like a, a giant hammer and like the other one into you know like and he, you see him like like, like doing all this <laughs> no ghosting <laughs> well that's cool so you were talking like actually shaping your hand or whatever yeah like you, you form and shape your implements? body of course there'd probably be some disguise self stuff in there uh, dis- uh disguise charms where you're just like molding All your right. face like like it's just putty because <laughs> you know you you're backed by the god of um of pottery or clay of working pottery. or whatever you want to call it but yeah i was thinking yeah. like forming your hands in the weapons like right in the middle of a fight so you got like a little blend of like some earth stuff and you got a, a little bit of feel from the lunar stuff because you're kind of shape shifting, but it's yeah. not like in the animals. Yeah. But you know, I don't know. I was just trying to think a little outside the box. Um, what you that could is do, very what you outside could do the this. box, and that's that's cool. That's very cool. 
yeah that's awesome that's a great idea that's, that's super cool um yeah that they're gonna have to put that one in the so book the way i understand it from the core <laughs> um basically yeah. it's still the unconquered son that's kind of behind this like the the lesser god petitions yeah. the unconquered son yeah. well that was the example that was given in the core with the straw made yeah yeah he 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 provides a, a bit of his own uh sort of energy to make it happen it's kind of the way they described it and uh but the the lion's share of the power comes from the god itself and uh and it can even like completely wipe out uh that god so i think that was sort of the straw maiden janice yeah. example too was that the uh that field spirit or whatever just completely gave himself up to to be put into this girl so that she could defend the the fields or whatnot so yeah he was basically yeah, like story. i'm i'm dead either way so my last act right. is as a god is to save the town that worshiped me so it was it was, it was a really good that's story such a cool yeah and, and it's such a cool addition to this whole exalted universe i mean this is this is the big new i mean there's also a couple other new things like liminals and jatimians and neobrans and all this other kind of stuff but like this whole exigent thing is like the peak new of uh exalted third edition i mean it's just really really interesting <laughs> it's a lot of people's imagination going it's very cool uh my own my own sort of idea of what i would like to do is it's, it's kind of similar to charles because you know it's based on uh games that i've i've run or whatever and right now on our deepwild.com forum we are gearing back up to play our caldera game which was set in the west on the isle of abalone and it all has to do with the volcano and the god of the volcano hamoji which as i read through the third edition core that was like my favorite chunk of the uh, settings chapter i loved this this idea of this volcano that has like wild inspired eruptions so it might erupt one day and feathers go flying everywhere or it might erupt with music you know or some you know some just like absolutely insane kind of thing and so i thought you know it'd be cool if emoji uh raised up an exigent you know that has like some norm what you would consider like normal volcano powers you know, some things to do with lava and earthquaking and like, you know, energy and whatnot. But then like twist it all with this, like just this little touch of insanity, you know, that would be so cool. You know, like sometimes you mean to shoot lava at somebody and it comes out as like chickens or something, you know. I, I mean, like I, I just think something like that could be really cool. I mean, of course, you don't want to overdo the silliness, but uh, but yeah, that's I, I would I would definitely think Hamoji first if I was going to make an exigent right now. Well, that's super cool. Lots of lots of neat stuff there. <clears throat> that book is that book has got to be just awesome, and I can't wait to see it. Can't wait. Can't wait to do the Kickstarter. Can't wait to just go nuts with all of this stuff. <laughs> so, um, another book that they mentioned that I thought was I just can't wait is um, Across the Eight Directions, which is a new setting book that's going to detail all the various locations, or you know, lots of them, lots and lots and lots of locations within creation places that we already are familiar with places that we just learned about in third edition core like probably abalone and hamoji and places that uh we well actually i I take that back abalone and hamoji are in second edition because i used that a lot when i was preparing the (laughs) game we're playing so that's not that's not bad storyteller uh yeah (laughs) but uh 
but that new city that's like on top of the three colossi statues that are like holding the city that's new right that's new so uh you know new stuff and i can't remember the, the name of that it's not the lap it's um oh well yes year something i don't know so the new places that are revealed in third edition core and also uh brand new locations that we've never heard of before so there's going to be a lot of stuff here and i love the fact that they're calling this across the eight directions uh, you know this this was a big thing in third edition is like there's not four directions guys there's eight right. and they've kind of discovered these like halfway you know these blended locations you know like the south uh southeast is all like it's hot and it's jungly right you know and so like just combining the two elements i thought was was brilliant and so opening up just a lot new uh playable space there so, you know, what, what do you guys think? What's your favorite direction? What do you want to see more of in this book? Well, we're actually putting a game together at my house, me and my kids. And I was thinking about going in the northwest. And I was picturing, you know, that's the, uh, mm. the snow area and the water. And I was picturing mm-hmm. this big giant city on this floating glacier. And, like, all the people yeah. live in these, uh, like, these little basically when you build your house you're like you're sculpting the the ice and putting it together yeah. and just just like this big floating glacier just out in the northwest uh that floats right. around kind of similar to the um the city on the sea that you read about in the core book this uh yeah the floating yeah the floating city that's like all these haphazard things that have eventually just formed an entire city so I was thinking about doing something like that in the uh, north northwest. So I'm kind of, I kind of want to see that area fleshed out a little bit, and I kind of yeah. want to see what the um, the southwest looks like, where you got this hot desert meets meets the meets, meets the, the ocean. ocean. So yeah, I want to see right. how the. I mean, you get a little bit in the core, but I want to see. You know, they're going to ramp it up when this book comes out. They're going to really yeah. flesh this thing out. So yeah, I mean, well, you. Uh... And it just you makes totally sense. Stole mine there. It just makes. What's that? I said you totally stole mine. I, I was gonna say Northwest too because that I think that is just like the that's Sorry. that's the coolest combination. And and it no, I mean hey, that's that's uh, it, it is something I'm looking forward to mainly because it's it's the only one I think not mentioned in the core. Am I right? There is no Northwest in the core. I, yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't find it. That's why. That's why. And I, if, maybe that's why we gravitate toward that. Because it's um, yeah, because you get to make it your yeah, own. yeah. You can create it, and um, you don't feel like you're stomping on uh, another uh, creator's toes. But you're like, hey, you told me what's going on here, right. and I'm just going to go build it. But so yeah, I do kind of want to see what they're bringing out, but I kind of want to make it my own too. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I do want to say, well, there's um, always room. These eight directions, I mean, it just makes sense because. If you're mm-hmm. up north and you start heading west, eventually there's got to be some kind of a bleed over, like where the the two oh, start yeah. blending together. It's not like you're in Minecraft and now you're in a new biome. You built like took three steps and now there's water and it was <laughs> snow right behind you. Right. You know, there's got to be some kind of a blending for it to make sense. Right. Yeah, I I see all of that white empty space on the map up there in the northwest, and I'm like, guys, this is there's so much room here to just go nuts you know so (laughs) i think they probably see that too they probably see that they haven't done anything there and they're ready to just chuck that full of goodness so i'm actually writing something up there right now too by the way um 
So I've got a little bit of a story I'm writing, and it's up there. All right, Chuck, what about you? What 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 do you want to see fleshed out more? Um, well, I'd have to go northeast. Hmm. Um, I liked, you know, I liked the idea of playing a game in the north. Uh, you know, just the mm-hmm. like the south doesn't really do it for me. I'm gonna be honest. I don't know why, but I've never really been a <sighs> fan of like desert stuff. It's just like, eh. <sighs> I know, I know. I Hold prefer. On, can, I'm, let me find a button that cuts your channel off. Here. Oh let's, no! Let's there, there. <laughs> um, I've always preferred like the the cold, and um, I don't know. I kind of imagined maybe there's this point where instead of these towering trees, you know, that are hundreds of years old, made of wood and stuff. Maybe there's like an ice forest where there are giant trees that have been frozen to death over time. And now all that's left are these like ice husks of them. Oh, that sounds cool. Hmm. Yeah. That would be interesting. I, yeah, I just can't wait for this. This thing sounds like it's going to be a big book. Uh, at least I hope it's kind of a big book. But um, I'm sure we're... and and. Honestly, third edition needs this. I mean, I can't tell yeah, you how many does. times we just, you know, we're going back and forth to second edition just trying to get setting information. But yeah, this will, this will do. I mean, the realm book coming out soon is going to, you know, do a lot toward taking care of that dearth. But then also this book, I think, is going to really seal the deal. So looking forward to it. Uh, if I if I had my druthers, I would love this thing to be as big as all five of the previous. Uh, terrestrial direction books put together, but I kind of doubt that's going to happen. <laughs> well, but, they did um, say in that uh, dev update that it's going to be a massive book. I think they said the word massive. Well, that's good. Massive is good. You know, like if, if you make it like Dark Era's uh, size big, you know, like that would, like I'm thrilled, dude. I'll read a big book. Give it to me. I, I want big books more than little books. Let's oh, go. They, they said this will be so, a hefty volume. Yeah, well, gotcha. it better be hefty. I want hefty. <laughs> Okay. Uh, all right. So rounding out the uh, the dev post, they talked about some new stuff to do with Lunars. Just kind of gave a little bit of a of an update about what they're working on there, and uh, some of the new kind of content that uh, they're going to be putting in. One of the things that they mentioned. I mean, they talked about you know kind of updating everybody on where these various you know important characters are from the the sort of meta plot or whatever. I don't care as much about that, but. Uh, but they did say that they, you know, they're putting in a new protean keyword uh, for lunar shapeshifting and whatnot. And, and the way they described protean was it grants you upgraded effects while in certain animal forms. So that sounds interesting. I know we had gift charms and fury charms uh, in second edition that, um, you know, the gift seemed like it worked sort of similar whenever you transformed into... Deadly Beastman transformation, you got to like immediately add all of these gift charms. You could like activate them at that time, uh, kind of the way that martial arts oh, yeah. uh, form charms activate like in certain situations or whatever. So you, you go into Deadly Beastman transformation, then boom, you just immediately like click, 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 turn on all these gift charms. Yeah. So it sounds like Protean is maybe doing something similar, but when you shape shift into an animal, and uh, they'll probably still bring back the Fury thing because it just bring you know it puts well, a. So it's that's like a connection there between werewolf and whatnot. But that's cool because if I remember right, there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of mechanical incentive 
to turn into just a straight up animal in Lunars. You know, like you're well, human. Then you can fly if you're. Well, a bird yeah, 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 yeah. I know that, but what I mean is, like, yeah. <laughs> you had your human form, which you could interact with the majority of the world, and then you had your deadly beast man form, which was what you fought in. Had a ton of stuff. Yeah. yeah. But it seemed like the animal part, while that was cool, I'm not saying it was useless. It just seemed right. most times the least useful of the three. So it would be cool to see something that's like, oh man, I don't want to turn into Deadly Beast Man. I just want to turn into a Deadly Beast and like really play right. up just and you the know, straight animal side. And what I'm thinking of just now as you're saying that, because you're, you're reminding me of the fact that like in the core book, because I was just reading this here fairly recently, in the antagonist chapter, if you go look at the animals section of the antagonist chapter, it has this very interesting statement there about these upgraded abilities and how uh, normal animals can kind of learn these they're essentially like charm-like abilities as they mature and as you train them and whatnot and then if you look at each animal entry there's like these special moves that the animal can do and i think that that's what they're talking about there i mean i've i've read this several times i'm trying Mm. to figure out you know if i get a wolf does the wolf automatically know how to do this like you know, crazy bite thing, or is that the thing you're talking about? That's the upgraded ability that I have to train them. To, you know, like where is the line drawn? And and I think that that's a little unclear, or at least to me it is. And I've tried to read this several times, but uh, but with the protean, you know, just seeing you know, this kind of new focus they have on charm like effects everywhere in the game seems like they're literally everywhere. You know, with evocations and you know whatever. Like there's like charm like effects everywhere, and uh, so giving like uh, a hawk. You know, like two or three new charm-like abilities is super cool. I mean, that's yeah. just really awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I hope that that's what they're doing there, and that's that's gonna be that's gonna be really cool. Um, but but other than the Protean, you know, they talked about upgraded char- You know, a, a, like a better than ever charm set. Woo! And then they talk they talk <laughs> about you know, shape shifting being made cooler than ever. What? What would make lunar shapeshifting even cooler in third edition? Those those of us who have who have like made characters as lunars, thought about playing a game as lunars and whatnot, like what what would make it even better than it is? Okay, we talked about having the animals have new abilities. Is there anything else? I'm gonna be honest, Corey. Lunars, after the announcement of the book, has become that movie that I don't want to watch the previews to. Because I I don't want to spoil it. I'm reading this thing and I'm like, no, 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 la, 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 la. You know, like putting my fingers in my ears as I'm reading it. But it's still coming through. But um, I, I, I don't even want to guess at what... The, I, I, mean, I was really shocked with the uh, what they did with the dragon blood. Some of the changes they made. Right, yeah. That, man, I just... I don't want to speculate because I don't want to... Um, Star Wars it, you know, go in with higher expectations yeah. than they can deliver. So I just want to yeah. read it as is. Um, but I I do like that they're going to provide it. I mean, they, they mentioned that they're going to provide us with uh, like a lot more animals, animal stats and stuff. Yeah. So we know what we're working yeah, with. That, and, that's good. And we of course, we're always going to get some more martial arts charms and uh, or more Ooh, the styles. Yeah, we're getting centipede yes. and the swaying grass dance. 
So. Among others. I mean, I'm sure that they're going to have at least, you know, five, six, seven, eight, something like that. But Well, yeah, see, I read the swaying two. grass dance style, and I have to take back everything I was thinking in my head about Charles's peacock style. I'm like, hey, he's, he's kind of right in line with these guys uh, with, mm, yeah. with his martial arts style. Because who would think of yeah. the swaying grass dance? Um, I'm thinking like oh, this yeah. hula girl, you know? Like uh, <laughs> use, using some social charms to kind of enchant you and everything. <laughs> so, if wearing a grass skirt, you may activate swaying grass dance style form for for free. Yeah. <laughs> some guy sitting at his desk is drawing this up. Like, wait till you see it, idiots! Wait till you see it. <laughs> well, I mean. I, if if there's anything half as cool as white veil style in uh, in the dragon blooded book, I'm gonna be just insanely oh, yeah. excited because that <laughs> I've been reading that a lot this week. The white veil. Well, and, oh my goodness, that is the coolest thing ever. It's always but. the off the wall martial arts that have like these really cool effects you would never think of. Because when you think of martial arts, you're like oh, punch, kick, punch, kick. But then it's like you know you can like do all this crazy stuff and you're yeah. like man i would have never thought about putting that in a martial arts but i'm gonna use but it. to be honest you know you talk about off the wall martial arts styles we have not yet seen the off the wall martial arts styles because if you're familiar at all with martial arts in exalted you know that sitting at the top of the martial arts food chain are these sidereal oh, yeah. martial arts styles oh, yeah. where like you know they break reality and like do insane things. Right. And so we have not yet seen a third edition sidereal martial art. We don't even know how that's going to work because there used to be like three circles of martial arts styles. You had your, you know, kind of your terrestrial styles, which were weaker than your celestial styles. Right. And then you had the sidereal styles sitting at the top that were just only sidereals could do them and some solars who had been trained to like, you know, the heights of their essence or whatever. But like right. now with the mastery system and the terrestrial keyword and all that kind of stuff, I'm not sure how they're going to implement this sidereal martial art, but I am very interested to see. <laughs> so one of these days we're going to get it and it's going to blow our minds and probably break the game. But still, <laughs> um, <laughs> looking forward to it. But yeah. Uh, I don't know. You know, think about lunar shapeshifting. I, one of the things that I was kind of interesting to me, you know, we talked last week about the uh, the new releases in the 100 Devil's Night Parade, which for some reason I kept calling Thousand Devil's Night Parade. But uh, the 100 <laughs> Devil's Night Parade and the Adversaries of the Righteous, we talked about those new releases last week. And I said I wanted to go back and read some of the earlier ones that they had put out. So I went back and got the, um, what's her name here, uh, Eska of the seven blades the hunter of heroes which is a lunar uh adversary in the in the adversaries of the righteous and she i mean just from just from looking at her doesn't look like a lunar i mean she is a lunar but she don't look like a lunar (laughs) and part of that is they've she's got this weird thing called a hybrid body transformation. Well, you complained about the sidereal about being vanilla and here they give you a lunar that is out of the box and you're, you're, you're freaking yeah. out about it. Uh, I'm not freaking out, man. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> geeking out about it. I think that this is uh, super cool, you know, that they, cause so already, you know, here we have an example of a lunar and it doesn't look very lunarish. She's got six arms, like some kind of Shiva thing. And this hybrid body transformation charm is how she does it, 
where she shifts into a hybrid form with six arms and slit pupiled eyes and, you know, gets all this cool stuff. And, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm very intrigued by what they're doing with, uh, with all this. I'm also very intrigued by how she's Eska of the seven blades when she has six arms, but I don't know, maybe they just miscount it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know, so she's got like, she's got some kind of, you know, spider as her spirit shape and she can deadly beast man into some kind of spider war form. But then, you know, she also has this hybrid form, which is very different than a human, very different than a spider. And I'm thinking that that's going, I mean, that's given us, that's given us an interesting look into what may be possible with Lunars in the future. And so I'm super stoked, super stoked for this new Lunars book. Cannot wait for any of this. As I said before, give me a time machine. We're going to the future. We're going to get these books and bring them back. There. You know, I remember so. when um, in one of our first episodes, we were talking about the Lunar's book and I was very meh about it. But the more. Oh, yeah. No, you were exactly meh. Yeah. yeah. You literally said. <laughs> you were sub meh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the more we talk about it, the more excited I'm getting for it. If you would have read the second edition Lunar's book, you would have been excited. Well, about I read it. some of it. That's some, that's some good stuff, man. Yeah, but you got to dive in. You know how exalted it is. You've got to dive in. Each of those books are like really... four hundred pages long. They're I know, so they're glorious. Big. Can't wait until they're. I want them to be six hundred pages long, <laughs> seven hundred pages long. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Next time you're on Facebook, oh. you can say, "Man, I could." be reading an exalted book right now instead of watching dancing cats <laughs> it wore cap shoes okay i can't <laughs> emphasize that enough i could literally be playing a dancing cat in tap shoes in, the, in a hybrid war form <laughs> a kung fu kitty oh man oh yeah man yeah. So anyway, thanks devs. Thanks devs for putting that news out there. Thanks for giving us something to celebrate. Oh, let's over. not let's am... not forget to mention three hundred thirty one thousand okay. three hundred ninety two dollars for the Kickstarter. Yeah. So. Well, but we knew that already. Yeah, but it's at the top of the post, and we yeah. started at the bottom, worked our way up. So <laughs> seem uh, seem like the appropriate place for to completeness land. sake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, congrats. And, and uh, you know, this is also, you know, Exalted Third set there, uh, set the record, uh, not just for Onyx Path, but like for the entire role playing games industry as like the highest grossing role playing book ever done on Kickstarter that's when it was crazy. there. I don't know if that's been surpassed by now, but but it definitely was the, the number one. It's still the number one for Onyx Path if it's not the number one for all the industry. But, uh, you know, and then here's their first like supplemental book. This is not even a core book. This is a supplemental book, and it did a lot better than a lot of their core books have done for the other White Wolf game. It lines did almost half of what lines. the core book did. Yeah, so I mean that is that is a huge deal. I think that shows that uh, first of all, Exalted it, it deserves to have a lot of development and writing talent assigned to it. Uh, we need to get these things out because people are sitting there chomping at the bit, wanting more and more and more of this game. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think that that message was very uh, well received, loud and clear. 
at Onyx Path when they saw the success of this thing. And I think that that's the, you know, kind of the direct reason why we have this post saying, all right, guys, we're ramping up, you know. So well, the important thing is, I think cool. they've I think they've come around and earned the trust of the community again. Like there was a there oh, was yeah. a low point for a while where, hey, guys, where are you even making books anymore? And now we got right. this this slate of books like, hey, guys, they're coming out and everybody's yeah. just going to get excited. And as soon as the next project is up, uh, I mean, everybody's going to be just chomping at the bit to get to and, it. And oh, yeah, I think it's and, good. And people have had a chance to play the game for a bit now, too, and can realize, like, holy yeah. crap, this game is amazing. Yeah, yeah. This this game sets a new high watermark for the entire uh, role-playing yeah. hobby in terms of, like, some of the mechanics that they've come out with, the, you know, the emphasis on story and everything else. I mean, this this really is, like, it's pushing almost the entire too good, hobby though. forward. Like, it has ruined every other game other for game. me yes like cool i can never be happy playing any game that isn't exalted for the rest of my life i uh, know it, it's, it's like of course second edition had that effect too it really did i mean I, it ruined everything else for me um so i mean i remember back when we had our play-by-post forum everybody's like hey let's also do a pathfinder play-by-post on here and i was like uh-huh. ah, you guys go on ahead <laughs> <laughs> sorry jeff <laughs> yeah it didn't last i'm long. gonna hang <laughs> i'm gonna hang back here and just read my exalted books but uh yeah <laughs> yeah all right, well, well, hey, we need to move into the next seg- segment of the show. We're going to talk about what, what, how our week went in creation, but we're going to do it a little different this week because we all sort of have a shared experience for how our week went in creation, and that is that we started this last week. We recorded the first episode of our Wild Shape Actual Play yeah. podcast. And we had a freaking blast. <laughs> it was so fun. Now, we, we wanted to get done with two episodes in one recording setting. Then reality uh, set in. We, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we didn't make it. We didn't make it. So, Lord willing, we will be uh, wrapping that up this evening with the second episode. And we still have some editing work to do and whatnot on that. Uh, we're, we're getting music uh, created for us by a composer and we're putting all like intros and doing all this different kinds of things and re-recording some parts that I think will be uh, better with a little bit of, a, of, an, of an added added spice in there. I want to I give some uh, explanation to maybe new players who have never played Exalt, Exalted before. I want to I provide a little bit of like coaching through it and we didn't do it during the recording so i kind of want to see if i can add some of that in to make that uh make that a little bit more educational for folks who are who are new to exalted but uh but what did you guys think i mean you know we had this story we said we said it was going to be you know kind of a wild west sort of theme set down south but we we don't want to say anything really more than what we've already said about the story but what did you guys how did you guys think the experience was of I mean, this is for me. I know Charles, this might not be for you, but for me, this is my first experience trying to record uh, an actual like role playing game, you know, with dudes around a table, and uh, so that was that was kind of a different experience, you know. Well, uh, Jim, I know that was new for you too, but oh yeah, that was. Go ahead, Charles. 
Yeah, go ahead, no. Charles. <laughs> Sorry, I was just gonna say, um, I yeah, I, I've I've been recording my games for probably the past year, but not really. Like, I kind of had this pipe dream of, oh, I'll release them in podcasts so that other people can listen to it and hear how funny me and my friends are. But it was really more for my own sake because I remember some of the, some of my, uh, you know. 3.5 days with my best friends and you know s- memories kind of fade over time and I have a hard time remembering the details so I wanted to kind of basically create an audio catalog of my games so I can always go back and kind of relive that stuff um, but I've never sat down and like I mean what we what we did the other night was basically like voice acting almost and, which is not right. what I do because I just put my microphone in the middle of the table, turn it to omnidirectional, and then we just play. Now we're conscious that the mic is there, right. so I'll let them know, hey, let's you know try to stay on task or whatever. But it's not like, oh, hey, we need to start over because we messed that up and people are going to hear that. So, um, yeah, it was kind of stressful the other night. I know we were all feeling. Uh, a little bit of that pressure but uh right um you know just had to remind myself hey we're we've role played before so there's nothing really to it just role play it doesn't matter that there's a mic in front of me and i think once we all started doing that i mean holy crap dude we had such good flow it was so good yeah it was it was good times, and uh, we heard from Neil last week, who called into the show. Uh, we're still trying to figure out how he got this number, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we heard from him. He, and uh, I'll just say, man, I, I was very impressed with Neil with uh, with his role playing, and uh, I think we just had a great time with him. He gels perfectly with us, and that was uh, that was that was a lot of fun. And he and he said uh, that that was one of the most fun things that he had done too. So. I know he enjoyed it. But what were you, I'm sorry, Jim, you were going to say something earlier. What were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say that I I think I put like a, a lot of pressure on myself at the beginning when we started. It, right. It's kind of like we've been doing the podcast and I've kind of like developed this um, etiquette that I do with the podcast where if like you or Charles is talking, then I'm sitting here, my mic's on, but I'm like completely quiet because i don't want any of uh, you know the background noise or yeah. you know my audio bleeding in right so i couldn't get over that hurdle when we first started the uh play podcast and i'm like no i should be like talking and interact you know just like we were sitting around the table um you know right so yeah it took about halfway through it before i kind of just eased up and just kind of like settled in but yeah, at the beginning, I was right. I was just putting a lot on myself, and I was like, man, it's a little bit stressful. But you know, then we kind of like talked it out. Of course, that's not in the the podcast. It's like, all right, hey, everybody, relax. We're we're just you yeah. know four guys sitting around <laughs> playing a role playing game, right. and then uh, right. then it was it, it got a lot better, and then I really enjoyed the game, and. Uh, I'm so looking forward to like finishing it, you know. Uh, oh yeah, so oh yeah. We're gonna. I want to see what happens. We're gonna have a blast. So yeah, you know, you, you get. Yeah. I'm. I'm not even gonna say anything. I'm not gonna give it away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's driving me crazy that I can't yeah. talk about it right now. In particular, but we did oh, have know, a blast. Oh yeah, we did. We did. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it was, it was good. Oh, <laughs> yeah, there it is. You just, there you it just is. got that card. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was over my head and like 20 feet behind me. And then I just did like this monkey leap technique and like let back and grabbed it. And like, oh, there's what he's talking about. I, I literally yeah. pictured um, uh, 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 Charles <laughs> setting like the fuse on some TNT. He's like, a blast. And then he like walks back and then Corey's like, oh, yeah, boom. You know? <laughs> good time so yeah hopefully finish that tonight have two episodes out what we're aiming for here is like a short story uh just to give you guys an update on, on what we're doing with wild yeah Shake. let's we're talk about do the like, format yeah talk about it yeah so the format the format's very interesting it's very different than a lot of other actual plays that you may have heard uh i think here, here's here's my and maybe i'm wrong but here's my uh sort of conception of what a lot of other people are doing with actual plays and with role-playing games in general is they're saying Here's our pot, party, potty. Here's our, here's our party of uh, four or five people, and they are going to live together, camp together, do everything together for the next like several years of their life. Uh, they're never apart unless one of them dies, and they're just moving from one encounter to the other until they finish this plot. And that's kind of unrealistic. In the real world. People get together for, you know, something that they do and then they go home to their families and things happen and then they try to get together again. But this time, you know, dude over here can't show up. So, you know, hey, we invited this guy to come along. And and so like a real a real story involves like characters returning to life and then, you know, new groups forming and whatnot. And so what we want to do with Wild Shape is we want to have a story where uh, it can be told in in uh short chunks so in this case with episode one episode one is actually i say episode one it's really like story one right is this trouble in a pair of dice as we mentioned before and it's going to be two episodes long so like kind of two hours of game time two hours of story uh so split into the two episodes and then after that one is done we'll do another one with a another short story with a different storyteller with new character with at least one or two oh. new characters because now the person yeah the person who played you know the person who's going to storytell this the second episode or, or the, the second adventure or whatever uh his character is not going to be there right so a new character from you know made by the previous storyteller that didn't have a character in the Corey, first one in this case is going to come alongside yeah in, in this case it'll be i'll be a player in the second one somebody else will be storytelling that person's character will be out and it won't take place like maybe immediately after the events of the first one but will be kind of like linked. all right well we've had a chance to think about that yeah it'll be linked big time we've had a chance to think about this i think something needs to be done let's get together and let's go do this thing and then that's that short story and then we kind of reevaluate again change up storyteller again think about the cast again and come back and do another one, right? So it's like this punctuated, yeah, these punctuated stories and lots of opportunity for downtime in between. So if you've got like training you need to do to, you know, Crafting. if you're wanting to take your martial arts from three to four, you know, you need to, you know, say that your character was training with a master, or yeah, crafting or whatever else, like you've got plenty of downtime to put all of that stuff. And so your care and our characters will be actually developing pretty quickly it also gives us the opportunity to have like a guest player uh 
Exactly. Just... It's almost like Pathfinder Society. You know, if you're if you're used to that, the way everybody can just sit down at, at one at a one shot game, get it done, and then go back to life, and then like later show up at a different uh, friendly local game store sit down with a different group of people, play a Pathfinder Society scenario that is different than the one you played last time. But it's like these these like small things. Your character's story continues between all these different games, even though you're surrounded by different people. It, so it's like, it's kind of a way of doing, it's more in-depth than a Pathfinder Society thing, of course, because we're tying in more characters together and whatnot. But uh, but yeah, yeah, a lot of, lot of, a lot of one shots strung together into a giant plot. And arc. You got that excitement. You got that excitement. Like, let's say we're in episode four, and then a character from episode. I'm I'm using the word episodes again, just like you. But, um, yeah, a character from story one makes an an appearance again. You haven't seen him in two and three, but then you see him again in four. Like, oh, right. I remember that guy. I can't. What's he been yeah. up to? And he could kind of like, right? You know it. I think it'd be really cool. So I didn't really put two and two together that we would be making potentially a handful of characters each and then kind of floating them in and out. But I mean, that makes, that makes total sense. It also allows us to play more variety and not get bored with, you know, like, Oh man, I'm still just the air aspect sorcerer that I have been for the past four years. Cause he just won't die, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So new characters based on the needs of the moment. I mean, we want to connect it all together so that it's not just a whole bunch of randomly, you know, non-associated stories. But like, it, you know, yeah, if you want to create a new character for this story because you think this would be perfect, you know, we're moving to this town and this guy who's from that town is going to join us or whatever. Yeah, perfect. Make a new character. Let's do it. So, uh, but it needs to make sense with why the other characters aren't there. I mean, you know, tying all that together will be an interesting uh, kind of endeavor, but... But yeah, so look forward to seeing Wild Shape pretty soon. Like I said, we're getting a, a few of the last-minute editing production things uh, lined up to get that set up because we want this thing to be uh, high quality right out right off the bat and be just like a really cool thing for you to listen to. So uh, we'll get that set up, and then you'll you should be seeing those come out pretty soon. We'll put them on the same stream with uh, the deliberative, and eventually, as we get more and more episodes, we may break them off into a separate podcast just called wild shape but for right now we're going to stick them in the the deliberative thing so anyway and i wanted to say one thing before we get into some of our discussion uh about deep wild so deep wild is our play-by-post forum site for exalted games that we have Uh, it's at deepwild.com and we have had a couple of listeners uh wanting to come join the site and i think that's great you're welcome to join uh, the way that everybody's been doing it is going to fivepoles.com using the contact form there and sending a message to me so that I can give you the special key to get into uh, the registration process because we have like at one time we had something like 100, 200 bots a day trying to register for the forum and the only way that I could just stop that was by putting something up that a bot just could not get through so um, if you want to join contact us through the contact us for, um, form on fivepoles.com and I will send you the uh, the way to get in. But I will warn you, though, if you come, you're well, like introduce yourself. We're fr- super friendly people. Love to have you. Love to talk to you. Love to get to know you. Love to play games with you. But we only have like one game spooling up right now. It's called Caldera. We started it a year ago. Then we kind of let it uh, let it kind of falter. And then like now we're trying to get it going again. And it's it's essentially like 
Like it's full. Like we've got, we've got all the players. We've done all the preludes. We started the first chapter. I mean, like there's no room for like kind of new players to come along. All of our old players want to continue in that game. Everybody's been like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in. So, um, there's not like a game for you to just immediately jump in as a player. So if you want to come join that, just know, uh, we're, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to like build a little bit more momentum to get another game started and and maybe if you come with a friend you and a friend come you say hey we want to start a game throw up a thread in the brainstorming uh, or recruitment forum and get people involved and i think that would be great but i uh, just needed to put that warning out there because i think some people think they're just gonna come and immediately jump into something and there's not uh anything really much av- available for you in that regard right now but you can come make that happen so please do if that's what you want to do. Yeah, it just got resurrected right. a few weeks ago. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, like, He's like still a week new. and a half ago. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's coming back to life. You know, we're having to warm up warm up its flesh. It's still, so, still got um, its negative two level penalty for. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's making a it's making a corpse run. <laughs> all right, yeah. So, um, all right. Well, hey, we we did we did this a few weeks ago. We in, in place of like a normal feature discussion, we had a question from a listener that was just so important, so good that we you know, kind of turned our entire discussion over to answering that person's question. And we've got another one of those this week from a fella uh, in England or some, some land where they have awesome accents, uh, as so many of our <laughs> listeners seem to do. I'm always like, oh man, I love this guy. This sounds so cool. But uh, yeah, so this is Bifford. And he has a very interesting question for us that we want to answer. So let's listen to Bifford. Let's go to the message machine here. Hello, the deliberative. Uh, My name's Bifford, and I've been listening since you started the podcast, and I do love it. It's fantastic. Um, So I last ran Exalted during a second edition game, and my players did enjoy themselves, but my, my, um, my cryptic clues... And, and my cryptic puzzles got to them and they didn't think it was quite exalted enough, quite epic enough. So I would love to know what your ideas and suggestions on making a game epic and not just like Dungeons & Dragons style, go in, smash things. I want it to be epic. How do you make a game epic and exalted? Any help? Much appreciated. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I don't mean to laugh. I just love how he says epic. Yeah, the first thing I want to ask is, can we sample that audio? And when I say something, I want to be able to push a button and uh, epic, like right after it. Man, that's so awesome. I love the way he says the word epic. Yeah, epic. It's like he always like he ramps up for it. He's like, oh yeah, how do I make it? Epic. It's like yeah, so, it's um, like he's making the word itself epic. Like yeah, epic. yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah. It's, it's, there's like glitter on. There's glitter on that word. It's just like epic, right? glitter yeah. on that so. word. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, so, how do you bring the epicosity to Exalted? And you know, I think this is such a good this is such a good question because that is that is the essence of the difference between Exalted and all other games. And we've talked about right. that before, back when we talked about you know how much better Exalted is and why you should give it a try and all this kind of stuff is the fact that which the you totally should if you Dungeons haven't yet, by the way. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. But the difference between like Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, whatever, whatever floats your boat, the other games out there and Exalted is like this massive glittering epic, right? That you add in there. And so if you're if you're playing Exalted and you're missing the epic, you're missing the game, right? And right. so Bifford's question is perfect and perfectly applicable to you know just how we run this game so uh how do we make epic stories how do you ensure that your game is not going to be simply a dungeon crawl or you know one of these just just kind of like mundane stories that you know we're used to in uh in pathfinder and dungeons and dragons not to say those games are boring at all not to say that there's not excitement at all not to say that there's not action and not even to say that there's not epicosity in some way shape or form but like but exalted really should be more it should be over the top and so how do we do that so i'll I'll start i want us all to kind of to weigh in on this but uh let me just start with with maybe an unexpected uh example or an unexpected uh piece of advice and that is, this is going to sound weird, especially since we're talking about Epic, but stop trying to overly challenge your players. Mm. <laughs> and you say, well, how, how does that make it more Epic if we stop trying to overly challenge our players? I mean, they're, they're these amazing Epic beings, right? So because shouldn't we have Epic like, bad guys? That sounds like the opposite of the advice that you would expect to get. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, you got to have, if you've got a solar, you've got to have a death lord for him to fight against. You know, you need to have a behemoth from outside creation. That's how you're epic. You need to put these guys back on their heels and make them really fight for it and whatever. And I'm like, no, no, that's not it. What, what that's going to end up doing, if that's, your, if that's what you're doing most of the time, is you're having your characters kind of flit from one challenging encounter to another. Now, this is the way Pathfinder works. It is the way D&D works, is that your party goes up against a challenge. And even like the challenge ratings in Pathfinder and D&D tell you that, you know, this fight should use up one-third of the characters uh, of the party's resources, whether it be uh, expendable resources like potions or spells per day or hit points. Like each challenge that is equal to their level ought to consume between one-fourth and one-third of their yeah. available resources. And then they're to rest at the end of that, heal up and get their stuff back, and then go back and fight now three or four more encounters of that level. And then when you really want something big and bad to happen, you go a challenge rating one or two levels higher, something like that. And what what that feels like is, that feels like we're always winning by the skin of our teeth, and um, we're 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 in a little over our heads. We're having to really be heroes and reach down, dig deep, and come back with the courage that it takes to face these incredible odds. Right? Like that's kind of the story of Pathfinder. But that's not epic. I mean, that's good. That's a good story. But that's not epic. That's a story about normal people slowly becoming heroes. Epic is, you know. Thor and Loki and uh, the friends, I forget their name, the, the name of like the group of friends in the, in the movie Thor, when they go to the Jotunheim. Warriors three and uh, yeah, yeah. Lady Sif. Lady and the Sif. Yeah. yeah. They, right. So they go to Jotunheim and they are assaulted by a million ice trolls or whatever, or ice giants, frost giants. giants. 
And they kill them like they are tearing through toy soldiers. <laughs> and they're smiling the whole time. And they are just slaughtering these guys. That's epic. Those guys are solar exalts. Okay? I mean, they are destroying people. So, so here's my advice. Stop trying to overly challenge your players. Don't make so many enemies that rival them. You want some. Those are, those are going to be like the big bad guys of the story. But remember that you're not that you're never quite as awesome as you are when you're tearing through a thousand mere mortals at a time, okay? And let your players feel that. Let them just shred folks. You know, Charles was talking about his first, uh, well, after the hand-waving of the, uh, the actual first game that didn't happen. He was talking about the game the whose name shall how, not be mentioned. <laughs> that's right. And how, uh, and how his characters face like this group of a hundred brigands and they slaughter them by the score, right? I mean, they're just yeah. like going in and just like, blah, yeah. that's epic, people. That's epic. Or the fact that, like, in all of, I think we've mentioned before, in all of our exalted play by post games, not a single player character has ever taken a single level of damage on a health tracker. And it's like, that's okay. In fact, that's epic. Our game, our stories were epic, indeed epic. And it's all right to let that happen. So I, that's my number one advice on how to keep it epic is let the, let the players see that they are epic. They shouldn't go up against a group of town thugs and barely come out of it by the skin of their right. teeth. They right. shouldn't attack a, a fortress full of goblins, go into a room, and there's three goblins in there, and they, they're like, you know, kind of now their legs all chopped up and they've used all their potions of healing. And like, no, they should just like punch the wall of the castle and bring the whole thing down, right? <laughs> all the goblins inside just die automatically. That's epic, okay? So that's my advice. That's that's one thing I'll say, and now I'll give somebody else a chance to to, to speak. So, uh, who else wants to go? Yeah, I I agree, and it's not that bad to let the guys stretch their legs and feel awesome. Like take out a couple of guys that are you know town thugs or whatever, and you could still make it awesome. Right. If your guys are stunning, it's gonna be epic. I mean, you know they're jumping yeah. off the and walls and hitting the awnings and. You know, flipping off right. each Jumping other. Jumping off and... of each other. Yeah, there yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and use those use those mass combat rules too, because those are those are put there to make you look and amazing. Yes, I mean, if and you've ever done do. the math on that. Yeah. If you've ever run the math on that, like it's fairly easy for, for a solar exalt to tear up like a giant group of people. That's on purpose, man. You're supposed to be tearing up giant groups of people. And I've seen some uh I've seen some some criticisms of like, yeah, but if but if each one of them were an individual, uh, you know, combatant, then their attacks would all like, you know, drive the onslaught penalty of the exalt down into to zero, and then all of them are hit, and they'll kill him instantly, you know. And it's like, yeah, that's why we don't do that, <laughs> like, there's, there's, because the, the solar exalt's meant to just mow these people down like he's cutting grass, man. I mean, like like so that's why the mass combat rules exist. Use them, right? So um, and it's and it's fairly easy too. It's, it's who really wants to join hard. battles eighty times? Ugh. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's just not <laughs> fun at all. And so just go ahead and ex and explain your character is like you know twirling uh, Mjolnir. You know he's 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 just spinning it in his hand on a little leather thong attached to its handle. Yeah, just <laughs> you know, artifact spinning weapon it. with and as he's spinning it, he's just 
he's going in a circle and frost giants are charging him and and like the hammer's just like obliterating heads like right i mean like that's what exalted combat is supposed to look like right so play it like that all right don't so yeah yeah and um what about you chuck have you you thought about uh some of this stuff How, how would you make it story epic i mean you've kind of touched on it and that's what that's kind of what I'm implementing in my game. You know, I put them... It was three Solar Exalted, alone in the forest, surrounded by a group of 100 men. I mean, wildly outnumbered. And one of them, the Sorcerer, basically has zero combat ability. And in fact, he he was indeed, uh, based on how the initiative broke out, he was attacked and was like in trouble of you know being hurt until the avenging angel Doncast stepped up and just like almost killed all of them in one single attack and i was just like holy <laughs> crap dude jeez yeah um yeah so how did, how did he describe that by the way as he's going through just mowing this so he had a sword right he's got a bunch of melee charms he has an axe and we, oh, an axe. Okay. yeah, it's a four dot artifact. I forget what he named it. It's got some kind of, uh, it's cool, but it's like a weird name. Um, and, uh, what is, what does it do? One of, one of the evocations will like set the blade on fire because it's, it's aura chalcum with a soul steel edge. And, okay. Uh, cool. you know, he, he, he like spun it around in an arc and it basically just it either completely cleaved in half or burned people completely to cinders and it was really I'm, cool. I'm, I'm imagining i'm imagining sauron in that uh the intro to uh, fellowship of the ring yeah where galadriel's telling the story and he's yeah. just like swinging and dudes are just like <laughs> flying back away from him yeah, <laughs> yeah it yeah. it was um awesome you know the the previous week I told you that I did the uh, the combat wrong, and I since printed out a a really cool flowchart which just says, "Hey, are you making a withering attack? You follow these boxes, and did you do this? Then go on this branch, and did you fail? Then go on this one." And man, he just like they didn't stand a chance, not a chance. <laughs> and it was just like, holy crap, that was so much. Like I knew he was gonna tear into them since i was like okay i reread yeah. the rules and he's definitely going to give them a run for their money no he didn't give them a run for no. their money it was like <laughs> some of them survived only because they chose not to slaughter them wholesale <laughs> nice and nice. it was just yes. like and that is holy crap dude yeah and that so so that from a combat standpoint all of that gives a big dose of epic to any game you know i mean just you know just hearing that description of that combat with 100 people or whatever that makes you think epic right there right <laughs> i mean that's epic but um from a story aspect too there is uh there's a way to build epic stories and i i think that some people fall into the trap of uh thinking that an epic story has to be uh save the world this week right and next week we gotta save the world again and I would say that, first of all, uh, that's not necessary to tell an epic story. And again, if you go back to the to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and you think about Thor, who's the Marvel Cinematic Universe's resident solar exalt, uh, you think about like his <laughs> movies, 
You know, in the first Thor movie, there's all kinds of that epic combat like we described, but then also the uh, there's there's so much social interaction. There's you know there's him getting to know these uh, you know, you know Jane and all this and the the scientists and whatnot and getting his hammer back. I mean that's a solar story right there. You know I got to get my weapon back. You know and uh, and then at the end of it, uh, spoiler alert, I guess a little bit. He faces uh, what I would call a regional threat. I mean, this is the first story, right? So he right. faces a, it's a big threat, right? This destroyer thing is like coming to this small Texas town and he is wrecking stuff. And that's another thing I would say, let the bad guys, the big bad guys wreck stuff. Mm-hmm. You know how like solars are messing people up wholesale. Let your bad guys destroy towns, right? And just murder people with no roles, right? I mean, they, they walk into town, grab the grab the local constable or whatever by his neck and just twist his head off just right there. Like maybe a character even that the, that the player characters like value and just like, just like dead and then just blowing up stuff. Like, so make it epic. Right? So the bad guy comes in, comes rolling to town. I'm back to Thor one. Now the destroyer comes rolling into town is like shooting this beam out of his face, blowing up cars, blowing up buildings, people, glass, things are flying everywhere. And Thor and his buddies step in and save the town. And that's story one. Okay. So you had all that. You had mass combat on Jotunheim. You had a reclaiming of a hammer. You had all kinds of social interaction. And then you had a regional threat that was still a really big threat, but that was contained to this small region. Second story gets ramped up even more, right? You have, um, I I think most people slept through Thor too. So I'm I'm not, (laughs) it's not as fresh (laughs) in my memory. (laughs) But uh, but you have you're ramping it up now. You know these these dark elves or whatever. They're just they're 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 coming into uh, Asgard. They're coming into the uh, to the U.S. or no, actually it was Greenwich Village, right? They're coming into to uh, Earth, and they're laying some waste. Thor and friends have to show up and put them down too. But like now you're ramping it up a little bit more. You're going outside of the region, and then you're hitting into like the Avengers and super teams and big threats that are threatening the world. And then like, but then, Hey, that actually wasn't too big of a threat. We handled it in one 20 second uh, or 20 minute fight scene toward the end of the movie. And then, but then you're moving into bigger things, Ultron and eventually infinity war. If you haven't seen infinity war, no spoilers here, yeah. but <laughs> good gosh, people go see it before it leaves the theater. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, it's the most epic movie of our time. You want to yeah. know epic? Go this watch that. episode brought to you anyway. by Marvel Comics. <laughs> <laughs> and Marvel Studios, more likely. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. So, but think think that way. Okay. Use that. Use those those movies and things that we love as a guideline for how to ramp your story up and be epic. And notice that nothing nothing about the Thor movies involved a dungeon crawl, right? Right. I mean, there was lots of content there. No dungeon crawl. Dungeon crawl immediately takes the epic out. The word crawls and, there uh, for was... a reason. <laughs> You're crawling yeah. so, through uh, the story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I was a little disappointed. I, I think when I first was reading through Exalted, and I was I was going, oh, there's no like maps of castles and stuff. <laughs> oh, they just kind of turn locations into like you know theater of the mind or whatever. Dude, that's that's not a downside. It's not a downside at all. Oh yeah. Locations look the locations are the star in a Pathfinder game or a Dungeons and Dragons game. That cool sunken citadel, you know, that that D&D uh, yeah. 3.0 event adventure, that was the star. The characters aren't the star of that story. 
that Sunken Citadel is the star of that story, right? Right. That's not the case Damn, in Exalted. Your characters are the you. star of the story. I know. Meepo. Meepo. Poor L Star. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He was eaten by uh, yeah. some sort of roper, right? Yeah. 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 Anyway. But, uh, but yeah, so don't make the locations the, the star. Make the characters the star, right? And when the bad guys show up, make them the star, too. And just, you know, it's all about the epic personalities, not the epic I do locations. Have, and I do have whatever. a comment to make on location, though, Corey. Okay. So okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Balance me out because I'm. I, I don't mean to be like well, extreme uh, in my views about locations. So. I'm going to give you a taste of your own medicine here. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> where do epic stories take place? In epic locations, epic locations. right? Yeah, um, they, do. They, they absolutely like Jotunheim. When yeah. when I was doing vampire uh, on the play by. <laughs> On on the play by post. Now this was something you taught me, right. and it really helps. I was trying to figure out, like, hey, I want to put like a map of this insane asylum up. And you're like, nah, just get a picture of it. And I was like, what do you mean, just get a picture of it? Nah, just get a picture of it and look at it and describe what you see. I'm like, what are you talking about? I want right. a map. And you're like, no, 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 map's gonna kill it. It's gonna destroy it. So yeah. I I go online. Yeah, I I go online and I find this picture of this like creepy looking insane asylum. And I just put it in front of me, right? And I just start writing down what I see. And I'm like, okay, there's a dimly lit doorway. There's a, a broken gate. And then I start like listing what I'm looking at. And then I start, right. okay, if I'm standing here, what actually is going on? Well, the wind's blowing. The gate's swinging, leaving a creaking sound. Mm. And as you start writing mm-hmm. that, you look down and you're like, Man, I have just completely got three paragraphs to set this scene up as soon as the guys walk mm-hmm. up. And I just looked at it because I just found a picture and it helped me visualize. And then I put myself in that picture. And like, what are the sights? What are the sounds? What are the smells? What's going on? And if you can do right. that in, in just have like every good location that you're planning on taking the characters to. Find an image online, and before you prep, just look at that image, and and you're like, well, there's this crazy-looking tree. And you're like, well, what's that crazy-looking tree doing? What if I put, like, three beast men up there, like, like selling their wares out of this crazy-looking tree thing? You know, and you just start Mm, building the scene, and it comes alive, and then when you... When you describe this to your players, they're like, man, it's like I'm, it's like I'm there. Like it feels real. Not just like, all right, you walk outside the tavern. What do you want to do? It's like, no, don't do that. It's like you walk up to the dusty tavern. The the doors are swinging. You can hear a noise from inside from a, from a local card game. And there's a wagon that passed by almost bumps into you because the half blind man carrying his cantaloupes didn't see you. And like, like whoa, I'm there. I am there. You know, yeah. so right. it feels yeah. really yeah, good point. Really, good point. Um, if you can just, it's just little little visual aids for yourself that help you build the story for your characters. So location, yeah, yeah, they're not the central thing, but if you bring them yeah. to life, it'll like it'll just bolster the creativity of your players. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and every every little detail you give uh, just builds that scene in the character's mind too which helps them to know what to stunt off of when they're actually, you know, oh, yeah. when they're playing. And yeah. <laughs> Instead of just having to jump off Jansen's back. 
Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just teasing. Uh, One thing I wanted to build on when you talked about that last scene in Texas where Thor fights the guy, um, the, uh, what is it, the destroyer. So I listened to uh, this email when you forwarded it to me. I listened to it earlier in the week and I was like, what is the most epic fight scene that I've seen? And I always keep going back to this. I think I've mentioned it to both of you guys before. The uh, Justice mm-hmm. League Unlimited, where the, the Justice League is fighting Darkseid. And, mm. uh, you know, he's pretty much handling Superman. And you're like, man, he's strong as Superman. Well, what's, what's going on? And then, like, you know, Wonder Woman and Batman, they kind of jump in to try to save Superman. And he just kind of, like, knocks... You know, Batman's just, he's a man, but so he just, right. he just knocks him across. He's like, you know, when are you ever going to learn that you can't take me? You're just a man. And uh, so right. then Superman starts his, what has been referred to on the internet as the world of cardboard speech. So um, mm. watch this scene on, um, on YouTube. I mean, it, it, they, they just have this slice scene out, but you know, the whole episode is pretty good. Um, but Superman, in reference to Batman, he's 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 speaking the dark dark side, and the whole time he's like he's punching this guy down. Okay, five seconds ago, Dark Side was just laying waste to Superman, and now all of a sudden Superman's got like that second win, and you're like, whoa, where'd that come from? Right. And uh, Superman says that man won't quit as long as he can still draw a breath. In reference to Batman, he says none of my teammates will. So he he kind of sets up what their problem is. Like this is their problem; they won't give up. Right. And then he says, "Me, right. I've got a different problem." He says, "I feel like I'm ma- I, I feel like I live in a world made of cardboard, always taking constant care not to break something, to break someone, never allowing myself to lose control, not even for a moment, or someone could die. But you can take it, can't you, big man? What we have here is a rare opportunity for me to cut loose and show you just how powerful I really am." And then, like this, you know, Superman. The re- then you realize, oh, the reason he was beating Superman up is because Superman always tests the limits of his uh, his his opponent. Like, okay, right. let's hit him with a ten percent punch. Okay, let's hit him with a twenty percent punch because he's always careful. Because if he let loose at the beginning, he would just absolutely right. just destroy this he person. He would be a monster. So, yeah. you know, during his first fight, he was like, "This guy can take it." I can actually push myself to the limit. And then I got to thinking that fight scene with your solars or your dragon bloods, whatever kind of game you're running, you got to give them an opportunity to push themselves to the limit. You got to have a good fight, like in a deep, dark cave somewhere where no one sees them or way out in the wilderness where they can let loose. Cause the whole time they're playing this game, the players are managing their essence. They're like, okay, I can activate right. this charm. Boy, and then I'll they. get this. Back. <laughs> but if, and, and Gauss did this in Forbidden. When, you know, that, right. that, that three dice stunt you described in the earlier podcast. He, yeah, let, he, loose. Let, loose. he let loose. He let loose. And that was just awesome. Just to like say, there's the handcuffs are off. And I can show you what I can really do, you know, and maybe it would just be really, it would be poetic justice if it was like in a situation where 
the big bad was always fighting you in town and you never could like really get to him because he wasn't afraid to use all his powers. But then you get out mm-hmm. where you can let loose and like, and yeah. just that's epic. And uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, and, and what a big difference that is too. Uh, you know, thinking about a non-epic game versus an epic game and like in a non-epic game, players are being challenged all the time. And then when they finally get to their big bad, it's the biggest challenge they face. And they've been, they've already been beat up. They've all, you know, whatever. And now it's like, this is a, this is something that they're afraid of, right? They're right. They're legitimately afraid of this enemy because probably one or two of the characters is going to die in this fight. And, you know, there's, there's been a lot of trepidation about getting here. And uh, so anyway, like there's that mindset versus this superman mindset of like i you know and i think we've, we've discussed this before you know that the real challenge is not looking like a monster right which right because if the 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 dude who's ticking you off in town walks up to you and you throw a punch so hard that like his face becomes like a mist that just like covers <laughs> the bystanders or whatever <laughs> like, like you're the monster like you are the monster and so yeah you're having to be superman yeah that is a hard punch but hey remember 70 dice worth of damage baby but uh (laughs) but yeah so like so you you really do have to like limit yourself when you're around normal people and so in, in an epic game like an exalted game instead of fearing that final confrontation the attitude of an epic group ought to be looking forward to that confrontation oh, yeah. so that they can finally crack the knuckles and throw all the dice, right? Like yeah. put all your moats into this babe. We're going bonfire. Go full iconic on anima. <laughs> yeah. Go bonfire, spend anima and then rebuild the anima again with those charms that use anima. How cool was that addition to the game, by the way? But, oh, um, yeah. but yeah, like just, just go nuclear on the bad guy. And it's okay for it to still be a challenge, but you don't want to just like do what Gauss did and nuke the main bad guy in one punch. I mean, like sometimes that's the epic or sometimes that is the appropriate thing to happen. And it's okay if it happens. I mean, especially if it's, if it happens in an epic way, that's still pretty cool. (laughs) It's all right. If the, if it's all right, if the good guys win and don't take too many hits, you know, but like, but I mean, it it can be challenging too. let, let them be challenged, but like make sure the players understand that this, this is not, something to be afraid of as an epic group this is something to really crack your knuckles and go in and oh. i think that just that change in mindset is epic right <laughs> so yeah and what a, what a great example jim thanks for thanks for bringing that world made a cardboard speech because that is, that is just brilliant i mean I, you know my knee gut is like i'm sorry dc stuff doesn't belong here but then you know i mean it was actually good so oh justice good. league was the best that. stuff ever uh they thought they were going to get canceled so in season two they threw everything they could into story and like made like uh-huh. all i mean every episode was really epic season two and they're like hey guys we're going to renew you and they're like well we just we we just put all our best ideas in that one yeah. season. We just blew the wad right there. Yeah, like, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and and uh, another thing I'd say about Epic is, uh, and and this is something that Charles kind of hit on when he was talking about uh, that first game that he hand waved away, uh, is that don't give your players too much freedom 
and leave the story to them. Oh. <laughs> I think sometimes, especially with folks who are like uh, white wolfy folks, onyx pathy folks, there is this idea that uh, the players drive the story. That comes we're all in, many in a lot. storytellers. I mean, maybe that, yeah, that and, attitude. And, and maybe I'm. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm wrong. Or maybe I'm not addressing you, dear listener. Like your games aren't like that. But in my experience, as I have wandered around the interwebs and looked at people playing play-by-post games and listened to uh, actual plays and heard people talk about their games and forums and stuff like that, I see this pattern a lot of like players driving the story and the storyteller just kind of being there as an adjudicator for what the players want to do. And uh, while I understand that there are some merits to that. I will say that good books don't just write themselves. They require an author who right. has like a master plan. And so I would say, you know, my, my thing that I do to get players like really involved in the story right away is control the beginning of the story. Like uh, in Wild Shape, you know, you'll, you'll hear this here pretty soon, but in Wild Shape, it's like, all right, players, here's the way the story starts. You're already playing a game of dice. You've been playing this dice game for the last 20, 30 minutes. Spoiler. And now a new stranger walks into the room, right? And so, like, like you don't have, you don't have a choice of, like, you know, all of those things about, what, well, my, my player would have done this. Well, here's, here's what your player already did. He decided to play this dice game. Now you got to figure out why he's here, right? <laughs> and now that you're here, don't tell me what my character things are going to happen. <laughs> But that's the, way, that's the way we set up the game. It's like, okay, you're going to be playing this dice game, so come up with a good reason for why you're there because I'm going to ask, you know, that's going to be a part of the story. And, uh, and so put them in the story and just make it, make it like, a, like a ride from that point on. And, and with our Dragonblooded game that we did, uh, I gave the characters essentially a boss. Uh, they, they were these secret agents, so to speak, working for Kadal Labak Omegar, who is sort of a high up dude in the Ladal family, uh, Dragon Blooded Dynasty, Scarlet Dynasty. And he has specific things that he wants his son and this other group of people that he's put together to accomplish. And so he's given them, they had the arsenal background at four dots each. So he gave them all power armor, the yeah. armor of the Immaculate Dragons. And, and they were then sent out as this like super team to accomplish things that he had for them. And slowly over the course of the story, they are losing, they're losing trust in the, in the guy who's sending them on these missions. And then they begin to make decisions about whether or not they want to obey. And that allows the story to evolve into something more epic also. But at least at the beginning of the story, control the environment put your characters in a story where they're they're already act, they're they're forced to act epically. I can't wait to do this to Don't you, just... Corey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write this this is good stuff. I'm going to write this. You're in my story uh, now, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, do it, man. Do it. I'll I'll respect that. That's the way I do it. So yeah, do it. Historically, um, I can't, I, I, no. <laughs> <laughs> he fights everything I think you the... make him do <laughs> <laughs> well i think a lot of times in the past what's happened is uh when we've when we've played games where you've been the storyteller and i've been a player uh what happens is like somebody goes hey let's do a lunar's game 
And I'm like, Looter's Game, awesome. I'll start making a character immediately. And then, like, and then I, I like come back, all right, here's the cool character I've got. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. I, I wanted to tell this story, you know, like this or whatever. Or, like, you know, we're going to play a vampire game. And I'm like, cool, vampire, let me go make the character real quick. So, like, yeah, throw, throw the guidelines up at the beginning and give me, give me a, a pool to work in. <laughs> you know, like, like here, here's, your, here's where you're supposed to be in this zone, right? And then, uh, then I should be a little bit more. Yeah, the announcement will be, hey, we're so, playing a Looters game. Slow down. Let me tell you the rules. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> You've already assigned your yeah. uh, primary abilities and you're working on your, uh, your, uh, your excellencies over there. No, no, I'm I'm already done with the character sheet and I'm drawing the picture on the back. That's that's where I'm at. Yeah. So um, yeah. So yeah. So, so I would I would say that don't don't just set the characters. I think like what Charles did with his stories. Like, all right, guys, here you are. You're standing outside of this town. What do you want to do? Right. That is exactly um, what I did, is, and that is the worst thing you can do. It was terrible. Right. It's well, I mean, there's just letting the characters stumble into epic things going on. It's just not going to happen, right? They're going to go to the store. They're going to go to oh, the yeah. tavern. It's going to take a, get something a, an author drink. creator to help that eth- yeah. epic stuff come along. They, yeah, that's why. Yeah, you know, I, I mentioned and I and I, w- I kind of wish I wouldn't have mentioned it on air or whatever uh, a couple of weeks ago when I talked about you know starting a story uh, in a caravan like where you, you're you're in this and it's like it's running away like the the horses are charging things are bumping and, flying, and you're idea, just trying, you? yeah so now i can't use that right <laughs> but uh, but but yeah i mean like you think about something that is an epic start to a story right i mean that, it's just like all right guys first game here's what's happening you were taking this caravan across the wilderness or whatever and for some reason it just started going crazy and now here you've got it and so right off the bat the characters have to start using their abilities to like bring everything under control figure out what's causing this fight whatever's causing this and you're in the middle of an epic story from the first second that it starts right so start your games like that keep them on that track and don't let it just devolve into well i don't know what do you guys want to do this time you know don't do that be the author right all right. Any other uh, any other things we want to I, say about this before I think we? We're good, Corey. Well, all right. Well, then let's roll into the character seed of the week. And this week it is my turn. Very excited. Whenever it's my turn to do the character seed of the week, <laughs> and I did something this week that has never been done in the deliberative history before. Oh. I made a girl. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, my character is, this is a solar and, uh, the concept now here, here's an interesting concept for you. I, I wrote this concept down and I was like, boom, I love this already. Concept is fugitive wife. Okay. Okay. So let that one settle. So here's the seat. You were the third trophy wife of a powerful noble. You attended all the state functions, took care of his needs, and even bore him children. And for a few years, you lived the perfect life of a princess. But then his attention was caught by another pretty young face, and you realized that your time was short. Rather than let that pig end your life on account of his lust, as you had since learned that he did with the two women before you, you decided to escape while there was still time. You took what wealth you could smuggle out with you, got yourself far away from there, and learned how to take care of yourself. The unconquered son blessed you in these efforts with the priceless gift of exaltation. 
and now you are hunted on account of that also. But you've already learned how to evade your captors and put an end to those who get too close. So oh, that this, sounds cool. this idea of, yeah, it's, it's cool, right? So, so this, uh, this idea of this woman who was just this like, kind of like pampered trophy wife who then, you know, becomes a total bad mamma jamma as she just gets out of that situation and learns to take care of herself. And so my sample character that we'll put up on the, on the website, fivepoles.com, her name is Kalo, the widow hopeful. And what she is, she is a, uh, supernal socialize. Right. Oh, so like wow. I just thought, oh, that'd be cool to have like have socialize as your supernal ability. And so I started looking through those charms. Oh, my goodness, man. If you haven't read through the socialized charm tree. Oh, yeah. It is really freaking cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's so many neat things there. I mean, she can just blend in automatically to any culture. She can like, you know, get things out of people, talk to them, put them at ease and all this kind of stuff. And so I was I, I was looking at those charms. And I'm like, okay, so she needs some way to be a bad mamma jamma. So, like, I'm looking through martial arts styles and cool weapons that might be used by somebody who's subversive or whatever. And I find, no, White Veil in the Dragon Blooded book. Yeah. White Veil is a martial art that is like you're at a dinner party and you're subtly, secretly, super quickly attacking people that don't know you're attacking them. And, like, you're poisoning them. And... And like yeah, and, and the, oh, the wow. form weapons are like a garrote, right? So you like you know, you got like your piano wire and you just like you're 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 just like chatting somebody up, sipping champagne, and the next moment you're like killing them in the closet with a razor wire. You know, and like <laughs> and you do all of this while dressed in your party finery, you know, you're you're like the ultimate assassin. And so she you know, she, she flees. You know, uh, so my, my sample character, she's from Jim because that's where our story is being set now in wild shape. And so I'm thinking about Jim. So she was like the third wife of the current despot of Jim. And uh, so she leaves there, takes a bunch of the jewels, you know, of course, Jim famous for all of its precious stones and whatnot. She takes a lot of this wealth, travels North, you know, under, under disguise and whatever to Chiaroscuro where she, you know, she's kind of on the street, but she's, she's, you know, she, maybe she loses a lot of her money, but she eventually gets in with some folks who teach her, train her how to be an assassin and start giving her some of these marks, right? So she gets to go out and kill some of these men who are pigs, just like her own husband. And each time she does, she feels a little more satisfied. Like she's getting revenge for what he was planning to do to her. And her whole, the whole time she's planning to go back to Jim and kill that man. That's why she, you know, I call her the widow hopeful, right? She oh, wants wow. to be a widow and she wants to get her children back. I mean, you think about that as a motivation for a mom. You oh, know? wow. Like, I, I was this like little, you know, squeaky mouse girl and now I'm going to come back and kill you and take what's mine, right? And so, but do it all <laughs> in your finery, you know, yeah. like in nice dresses and at parties and stuff like that. So she's an eclipse cast and, uh, you know, I kind of thought, you know, because because she feels like her marriage vows and whatnot were violated by this guy, you know, the ability to sanctify oaths and vows and things like that would be like a super important thing to her. Hmm. You know, just ensuring that when somebody says that they're going to do something, that they do it. Oh, that, that's right. Chatting sweet. with the Chuckster. That is really cool. Yeah, so that's that's my character seed. I'll put her up there. I'm using uh, Zoe Kravitz as the as the picture for her. Uh, nice, like Jim Princess or whatever, and. Uh, and and to be honest, uh, the reason I even thought of Zoe Kravitz is because she's kind of in that role in um, in uh, Mad Max Fury Road, right? She is that kind of runaway princess, and uh, so I was like, oh, cool. Let me find a cool picture of uh, Zoe Kravitz and and put her up as the 
as the picture for the sample character. So, yep. Character seed, fugitive wife. Go check it out at fivepulls.com. As soon as we get that up here, very shortly. So she's in Jim. She right. was born in Jim and lives in Charuscare. No, she actually. Or, no, she was. She was actually the way I the way I've got the story written. She was um, from like a desert tribe or something that was, and, she, okay. and she and a bunch of her other people were captured by desert raiders, and she was sold into slavery in Jim as a child. Grew up as a household maid and cook and that kind of thing, and then when she got old enough, she was beautiful, and so the despot, you know, th- this person that she worked for was close to the despot. He sees her and is like, I want to purchase her freedom and make her my wife. And so, yeah, that's kind of how she got into that situation. So, so she was a slave. We could maybe. Slave s- to princess. Could maybe see this uh, character in Wild Shape? Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, that's the reason. I wanted to make something <laughs> set down, you know, somebody in that area so that it could possibly happen. However, I'm not sure I want to play a whole game doing woman voice. Yeah. You know, <laughs> because I always feel like I always feel like I have to do a voice for all the characters. Right. So I don't want to sit here sounding like this the whole time or whatever. <laughs> Maybe if I could find like a really cool voice modulator kind of like that Mickey didn't Mouse. sound like a robot. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway. Yeah. So there we go. We'll put it up on five polls. Go take a look at that. And uh, if you haven't been over five polls, I've actually, I've started um, organizing all of our character seeds. I've, I've started tagging them, whether they're solar, dragon blooded, that kind of thing. So that the more we add, you'll be oh, able nice. to just click on those tags and see like a collection of those. Yeah. So uh, as we add more and more content to five polls, there's going to be you know, just like a wealth of information there for you. So that just about wraps it up for this week. So guys, where can folks find more of your stuff? Well, you can find me on the official Onyx Path forums as Lucky Chucky. I also run our Facebook page, The Deliberative Podcast, as well as our Twitter account, at Deliberative Pod. You can always find me at our website at fivepoles.com, or you can reach me direct at my email, james.fivepoles at gmail.com. And I go by the username Reform Ninja on the forums and for all game related things including the onyx path official forums and the deepwild.com forums i am numa pilot and remember that if you have a question or issue that you'd like for us to discuss on the deliberative please send your question to us at the deliberative podcast at gmail.com it's all one word the deliberative podcast at gmail.com and remember i say this all the time because we get folks like bifford and we love questions like this yeah send us your question as a recording of yourself asking it we'll put you on the show and we'll interact with you it's almost like you're on here with us you know we just want to get to know the folks in the community this we feel like this is a good way to do it is having you send uh your voice yeah. in like that so please do that hey we want to thank you guys that have been leaving us reviews don't forget to leave us a review if you haven't already it helps us out it helps push us up there where people can notice our podcast and find us thanks for listening to the deliberative podcast now go forth and bring righteousness to the world as you know best goodbye everybody bye <laughs> bye See ya. Ya.